You're listening to 1290 CJBK. We thank you for that. It's Talk of the Town, and this uh, segment is our weekly left, right, and center program. And our numbers are 643-1290, star 1290 on the Rogers AT&T phone line. If you would like to uh, bring up an issue or engage in our discussion with uh, Bob Metz is with us, and Marion Boyd is back. Hi there. Welcome. We've thank missed you. you in the last couple of weeks, and thank you for both coming in and and, um, and uh, joining in a, in a conversation. Lots to talk about. I mean, here's how it usually works for us. Uh, we don't really talk except for this this time, and, and they, Marion and Bob join us about five minutes uh, to the hour, and we sit down and we talk about what we're going to talk about. And there's certainly a lot of issues uh, out there that uh, we can discuss. Namely, and I'll let you guys know as far as where the minds have been going on the free-for-all is um, one item that came up, and I believe Stan was the guy that, that came on this morning, and he wanted to point out the $1 billion that's gone amiss from the Human Resources Department from the federal government. And now he alleges that he believes that there's a bit of a slush fund for Jean Chrétien, and he's very suspect of this, and that uh, the Auditor General needs to come in and, and find out, or if they have come in. Um, what's your viewpoints on it, Marion, with regards to this news? And, the, I mean, here's, and here's the point, which I think is really important, is Canadians get all drummed up and fired up about the NHL and subsidization, but I'm really not hearing a lot of response about this a billion dollars goes... You know, well, it's not exactly missing, which is, is, is the other problem. There just aren't proper controls on it. And the, the, the real issue that the auditor was making was that it appears that some of this money went out without people even applying for it, without people having goals and, and measurable outcomes for the programs. That's a very serious issue in, in, in days of, of really tight money. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about the problem in the emergency rooms, mm -hmm. and the hospitals have complained that the money hasn't been forthcoming from the government that's been announced. And one of the reasons for that is the government of Ontario is not prepared to release those dollars until they have plans in place that meet their criteria, and then, then they release the money. So it, it, it is upsetting. There have been rumors for a long time under this government and, frankly, the previous conservative government that uh, human resources was being used as a way to uh, uh, flow money to uh, uh, areas that that people wanted to make sure stayed either liberal or conservative and, and that there weren't the controls. And uh, I, I think uh, that's, that's of long standing. One of the things I do think we should recognize here is that... Uh, uh, Jane Stewart, the current minister, took over uh, in, in August from Pierre Pettigrew. This audit report was completed, or was done, the, the actual audit was done uh, from January to June of last year while he was the minister. She's been the minister. Now there are claims that she actually got the preliminary report in October and didn't do anything, was denying things in the Commons and so on in November, which I think ought to concern us. But the reality is that usually you, there's a six-month period while you digest what the audit report has, has said and, and look at your, your systems and so on. So I think, yes, I think we should be concerned. Uh, I think the current minister is wearing a problem that uh, is of long standing, mm -hmm. And uh, it, it ought to be recognized that at least she's prepared to, to be open about it and, and talk about it. On the other hand, she didn't have much choice. That audit report was going to be made public anyway. The allegations that... Uh, 
say a slush fund for lack of better description. Uh, have any of those allegations been substantiated? Well, you, you can't really substantiate it. All of politics is a slush fund in a way. But, oh. I mean, I mean, m m decisions about our hospitals, about our schools are made politically, are made for, to, to, to feed the political mechanisms that are there. I don't even know why we have any kind of ministry of something called human resources. What is that? Uh, That's a good question. What do you know, Marion? Well, it's, it's, it's to try and, and, and deal with the, the training and retraining issues, to deal with job creation. It's the major... Well, that's definitely uh, not a government job. Well, we know you think that, Bob, well, that's what but we're here to argue about, Marion. Of course you know I think it, and you think something different. I'd like to hear you defend it instead of saying that I think it and I shouldn't. Uh, let's face it. Governments cannot create jobs. They can only displace jobs from one part of the, the se sector of the economy to another. That's all they have the power to do. They do not create wealth out of nothing. That all comes from the private sector. Government gets its money from taxation, which is a burden on the private sector. All public money was once private money. It's as simple as that. There is no such thing as public money. And once you have a Ministry of Human Resources that has a budget of a billion dollars, it's spent. It doesn't matter who gets it. It's spent. You know, I was in Toronto doing a show, uh, Michael Corrin show, on, on television one night. And there was uh, a liberal MP from, uh, from Ottawa there. And he was explaining to a few of the poverty activists on the show that they could not get money from the federal government for their poverty programs because the money was expended already. But there was all kinds of money being given away on millennium money that they were going to spend at the turn of the century. You could, you could apply. All you had to do was put the number 2,000 in your program, say, <laughs> Poverty 2,000, or, uh, you know, Children for, you know, un with Unwed Mothers 2,000. Just put the number 2,000 in there, you'd get all this money. So that's how they think down there. It's not like, you can't well, expect rationale and, we, and expect accountability, for heaven's sakes. In, in, uh, you know, in fairness, you, 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 you probably are not going to be prepared to admit that a lot of the very essential retraining issues and and initial training issues uh, have been handled by human resources. We look at the programs here in in uh, London, for example, uh, uh, Youth Opportunities Unlimited or uh, Women Immigrants of London. Hell, I might need them. Exactly, you might. You know exactly what I'm saying? Exactly, you might. Uh, so we well, have what to. What makes you think that? Like, what would they do for you if, if they have to? They have well, to get I mean, you a listen, job, right? Listen. And a job has to come from the no, private they market. No, they actually they actually look at. They, they do they do work on in terms of people's uh, abilities people's talents uh, right. people's uh, aptitude I've heard that they they do retraining I mean they 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 look at what it's possible to do women immigrants of London uh, has has trained a lot of people in the food service industry and that sort of thing we see that same thing happen with pathways that the urban resource and center. education institutions and businesses do all of that already why does the government have to do it I know of cases where the government closed down perfectly uh, good restaurants and put in trainees to teach people how to run a restaurant you know and they put a perfectly good business out of business so to speak and uh, and replace them with with government how would the trainees. government put a restaurant out of business well they buy them out they buy, buy them out, them and, out. They, and they buy their facilities, oh, and then they exactly replace them. putting them out of No, business. but it's displacing the economy. That's a purchase that would never have happened in the private market. Well, uh, not necessarily. Are you saying it wasn't a worthwhile restaurant? What are you saying? Well, it's, no. It, it closed up. Well, it closed up. After. After the government took it over. But back to the billion dollars, and you, you stating that they're not accountable and they won't be accountable. I think they have to be accountable. And they can be made accountable. In fact, there are very, very uh, uh, clear ways in which grants ought to be accountable in terms of people 
applying for them, giving their what their plan is, how they're going to measure their success, exactly what they expect to do. And you should be checking that as you go along to make sure, in fact, that what you say is going to happen is happening. And if you're not creating jobs, if you're not training people and they're not getting right. jobs, then the, the acts ought to fall. It was suggested earlier this morning that um, the alleged slush fund, if you will, that the auditor, uh, the auditor did once upon a time try to get into the books of the Liberal government and got into a heated battle with the Finance Minister Paul Martin at that time. He couldn't remember what this circumstance was, but he says he remembers reading the story. And basically, the Finance Minister closed the, the whole investigation, uh, they closed it down. We ought to be very concerned about that. I mean, I can tell you, you from having been, I, I remember something and it was a particular thing and I can't remember yeah. what it was and, and, and it, you know, I, I don't like talking about it when I don't know. Yeah. But what we should be assured of as, 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 as citizens is that the uh, auditor of government programs is absolutely independent. And it's true. No government of the day likes it when they get an audit report that shows that they're not being um, either they're not following normal audit processes or they, they can't show that there's value for money in their programs. Mr. Peters, who's the official auditor for Ontario, for example, uh, is a, uh, you know, a, a very strong uh, person. And, uh, you know, certainly he has criticized ministries that I have run, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, that the Liberals, uh, that they, the Conservatives have, have done for exactly that. But he, he sets out very clear audit processes. He makes the decision what program he's going to look at. Mm -hmm. And it's on a cyclical basis. He'll go back to the same ones again and again when he is not satisfied that problems he has identified have been, have been changed. So if at the federal level, a finance minister, and particularly a finance minister, mm -hmm. is able to somehow uh, keep the independent auditor from looking at a program, we should be concerned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the other point, too, Conrad Black's National Post has been at Gretchen for literally months on his dealings and the funds that have been showing up in his riding in Shawinigan, suggesting that too is a concern and that should be investigated Absolutely as well. Absolutely it is. Well, and then again, I'm sure that the people who voted from his home riding expected him to give the, their riding some favors, as do most voters expect their local MP or MPP to do favors for their riding. That's why they're represented on that con constituency basis. Well, so, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I would agree with you in terms of doing favors. Yes, they expect you to be a strong advocate for the riding. Well, see, it all comes down to what you call a favor, isn't it? Some people might call it a favor to give money to the hospitals. Others might call it a favor to give money to their favorite charity. Others might call it a favor that the government gives money to support a hockey team. Others might, you know, you can go on and on and on and on. Now, I agree with you when you say the money's not missing, that there's just no controls, because from an accounting point of view, a simple bookkeeper oh, should, be able, yeah. should be able to trace every transaction Absolutely. and eventually figure out who got what money. There should be a paper but trail But even everything. once they find that out, it does not mean that there's been any improprieties. It sounds like there was no process here. If you say that they spent money to and, and gave it to people who didn't even apply for it, that means that there was no process of application. And you know, that's a rumor that's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's something that I've heard on a number of occasions. And how would that they pick the people? I, I don't know. Well, see, um, I think that comes down I, to what we're I talking about. I don't know. I mean, there's certainly strong liberal ties with... Uh, some of the groups that I've heard of that have received money without even asking for it, where 
someone will call up and say, well, you know, uh, we'd like to see a program in X place. Uh, we'd like to, to, to have a presence there, and we'd like you to deliver it. And this is the kind of thing that uh, would, would, you, would you be willing to do it? And, and, and sometimes, as I understand it from uh, anecdotal uh, uh, evidence, if you like, <laughs> uh, there has not been even a paper application. The check arrives usually in March. Hmm. Usually in March. There's money left over. They haven't spent their whole budget. And all of a sudden, the money's there, and then you figure out afterwards how you're going to spend it. That's bad public policy. Oh, for sure. Doesn't that, matter that, who's that doing it. I've seen in budgets from school boards on up that, that if they have money left over at the end of the year, they have to spend it, and they start piling up you know, supplies right. so that they can get the same budget next budget, year sure. or, or minor increase. And that just feeds to the shortage of funds in the system when the money's actually required. You can't, you can't even have a fund in, in the public education system. On the other hand, I mean, if, if, we're, talking about, if we're talking about supplies that are going to be needed anyway, um, because it all goes back into one pot um, and, and they want to keep it in the particular sector, that's fairly understandable. If they're buying things that aren't needed, if they're buying things that don't contribute to the program or that they're just replacing something that's 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 you know two years old that's disgraceful which is often what happens yeah it's disgraceful gotta Not take a break policy. you're listening to left right and center on 1290 cjbk with bob metz and marion boyd my name is dan gall we'll be back in our numbers again 643 1290 star 1290 on the rogers at&t phone line we'll be back with left right and center after this on 1290 cjbk Welcome back. You're listening to Talk of the Town on 1290 CJPK. It's left, right, and center with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz. My name is Dan Gold. Thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. The other news item that came out yesterday in the free press, uh, actually the conviction of Sarah LeBeau. She got four years for that uh, terrible, terrible car crash that involved uh, five people, including herself. Uh, four were killed and uh, one very seriously injured. She herself was injured as well. And the judge sentenced her to four years in jail and 15-year suspension on driving. 15-year suspension. Your thoughts on that, either of you? What you're asking is, is do you think, do we think it's a fair uh, yeah. condition? The, I, the, you the, know, it's impossible the judge to said, answer that. Bob, the judge said that he wanted to set an example. That's part of the part of the issue of, of sentencing. It, there are two goals to sentencing. One is a personal deterrence, and the other is a general deterrence. And the judge, I think it was Judge McDermott in this case. It was Granger. It was Granger. Yeah. Okay, Judge Granger very clearly said that, 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 that it was important in this sentencing to give a general message. Four years for four lives, she'll be out in two. Is that setting an example? But but that's a high sentence for this. If you read the editorial in the Free Press this morning, they talk about another situation where two people were killed, and the person uh, was was given a community uh, a community um, based sentence, being able to stay at home. And I, I mean, and you know, yesterday I was reading in the Free Press, and I saw one of the headlines regarding this, and and Judge Granger was saying something to the effect of this being a most heinous crime, one of the you know, t most terrible crimes. Well, I don't see it in that category, despite the tragedy it was. Um, this is not the same kind of killer as a Paul Bernardo or a Carla Homolka or anything like true. that. And when we start giving them sentences that equate with the sentences or are less than the sentences we give the, 
to, to people like that, to, to mass murderers who wantonly go out and torture and kill people, our justice system ceases to lose any sense of meaning. I think that the answer to all of this isn't constant incarceration in jails. I don't think that's going to bring anybody back. I don't think it's going to teach anybody a lesson. I don't think it's going to make her feel any uh, worse or better about the whole situation. She lost four of her friends in this car accident. Uh, she obviously knows it was her fault, her responsibility. Um, there is no sentence. You can't get me to give you a proper sentence that's going to placate everyone in this, certainly not the families, not even death sentence, not even uh, a life sentence, <laughs> not even... <laughs> Do you agree with that? Right. You can't bring, can't bring those, those kids back, and, and you can't change what happened because of bad and juvenile judgment um, that, that, that killed. On the other hand, when people knowingly drink and drive, um, and we know what the effect of that is, and they and they do it. Um, there has to be some way to try and encourage people not to. I mean, the, four, four years is 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 a high sentence for this particular thing. Um, a four-year sentence means it's a federal penitentiary. This is a young woman who is going to be in the federal prison system. Uh, the federal prison system is reserved for, as Bob says, the the most um, intransigent and, and uh, uh, people who people have I'd been criminal. criminals for a long time. Um, and there's very little in the way of rehabilitation, particularly for women. Uh, the, it's, uh, the prison system, the federal prison system has been notorious in terms of, of women. In fact, federal sentences for women, the, 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 the numbers of women who are incarcerated in the federal system are quite um, and most of them uh, are there for very, very serious crimes. In this situation, yes, we need to make sure that we're sending a message that when people um, are not aware of the, the possibilities that will happen as a result of, of drinking and driving, there ought to be some very clear way of sending a message. And obviously in this case, um, there's been a lot of, of editorial comment about this case, even while the case was going on, uh, and, and certainly while uh, the sentence was uh, uh, being pondered by the judge. Mm -hmm. I don't uh, think we, we uh, should assume that, that that influenced the judge. The judge has to make judgment based on what was, what was put before him. But the expectation that was clearly stated by the defense uh, was obviously offensive to the judge in this case. The defense was saying basically that she should be able to serve her sentence in the community. And the judge was saying, no, in this case, given the, the, the facts that I see before me, I don't find that that is an appropriate sentence. He's well within the range in this, in this, in this uh, area and made what that What were the decision. particular facts that, that affected him so greatly? I'm not sure if I'm aware of that. Sure. Well, I would think it would be the drinking. It would be the fact that they overcrowded the car in the first place. Uh, there were five where there were only seats for four, so it wasn't possible to, to for everybody to be uh, properly secured. The speed was estimated at 150 kilometers an hour uh, around, a, around a curve, so it was way over the speed limit, which I believe in that area was 80. And then um, going around a corner, they just went right through the guardrail and... Well, these are all the kinds of and things that you end up can. doing when you've been drinking, aren't they? Because you, you know, don't have any judgment. Somehow our courts assume that once you've been drinking that you, that you maintain your level of sanity that you had before you started drinking. And alcohol is not like that. 
especially with regards to some people and some people who may not know what its effect is going to be on them, especially if they're at the younger end of the scale. So when judges hold people responsible for what they've done after they've already begun drinking, which might have even been a new activity that they started, you know, that they weren't into before they started drinking, um, this has always been historically one of the reasons we've been light on on these kinds of sentences because we assume the person is not in control of their their full faculties and, and sense of reason so now what we're arguing is that well you knew you were going to get drunk when you started drinking therefore you were responsible at that time and anything that happens after that even if you weren't aware of it anymore you will be fully responsible for and then from there we go to the, ne to the next step where we start holding bar owners responsible for selling somebody a drink or the car manufacturer responsible for not installing some kind of a safety device, and on and on and on it goes. And I think, you know, I, it becomes an industry in a sort of way. Do you know what I think and hurt? That's what worries me. Do you know and, what I think that, hurt her badly in that case is when she couldn't recall who was driving, which I can appreciate. I can appreciate that. She couldn't recall. But when she went back to the scene of the crime, she vaguely recalls that it was another person that drove one of the people that was killed and I think that hurt her because clearly they had an eyewitness saying that they saw her behind the wheel leaving the party and conveniently not recalling or thinking now I think it was actually him I think that hurt her I think it did too well, I mean like one of the would, yeah. one of the things that you 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 obviously expect a judge to take into account is the uh, willingness of someone to accept responsibility um, in, in this situation, uh, there was no guilty plea. There was no acceptance of responsibility. I believe her counsel was even stronger than that. I mean, there were very strong implications by counsel that someone else was drinking and that she wasn't responsible at all. And uh, I, I think that would very much be in the judge's mind uh, when, uh, when making a decision. So... so yeah, so, so, so I look at. So, it what do you think? I mean, was it was it the was it right for the judge to say? Was we both we all say agree that that was you know it's a tough one. That no, was a I, tough decision. Personally, what I would have seen as a better, I would have preferred something like in the community activity area, and also perhaps some kind of garnishment on all her wages or some tax on her for X number of years at least that would at least partially compensate the families of the victims, so that there's some positive input being here now. Now she's going to a jail. You and I as taxpayers are going to be paying for it for the next four years. She's going to be meeting all kinds of uh, not-so-nice people there and possibly come, come out a far worse person uh, than, the, than the person we're putting in. So what are we getting for our money? Uh, are we spending our money wisely after the tragedy? We had a similar trage tragedy b between here and Windsor this past year, that big car pile up in the middle of the fog there. Mm -hmm. Uh, no criminal charges, just as big a tragedy. Would we be better off putting people in jail and, and doing all sorts of things about it? Uh, uh, I just don't see... We've got to be careful what we call a crime and what kind of thing that we're really going to be going after people for and what society has to be protected from. I certainly think the 15-year uh, the no driver's license is 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 something that we should be doing more frequently mm -hmm. uh, I, have no I, I think with that. I think we yeah. have to have pause when we know the number of drunk drivers who even with it, without their license continue to oh, drive. for sure that continues to be a very serious problem one of the things in Huron County um, that is of, of real concern one of the reasons I think that the defense was suggesting that she should be that, that an appropriate sentence would be for her to have to go out and speak to young people about the effects of drinking and driving is that there is a very serious cultural 
um, situation in 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 Huron That's County. Very funny. And there was opposition to that suggestion yep. coming from the people I would have thought would have supported it. And they were saying that, they no, they want the people to, to, who do that, they have to be the victims of No, that's drivers. what the judge said. He uh, feels that, that role that's, is that's better played. I don't think so. I think he if said, you want to make a powerful I, case. I thought can... the same thing when I read that. I went, you know what? Number one, you're, ta having, you're asking the victims to go out and speak yeah. publicly about that. Why should they have to do that? They're the ones having Would the whole it thing not work better... Them? For somebody that's lost, I'm, for I'm, friends, I'm sure you could get people to argue both sides of that. And obviously, the judge came down on one side, and and we might come down on another side. I mean, I worry. I mean, I really worry about the. I mean, particularly the the federal prison system, knowing how little rehabilitation takes that get goes on there. And uh, Bob, yes, she's going to come in contact with hardened criminals. Mm -hmm. Uh, but is also likely to be um, taken advantage of by hardened criminals, unfortunately, knowing what goes on in, in the prisons. So it's a double kind of a thing. And I just, uh, uh, you know, uh, that part of it really, really worries me because it doesn't seem to be the place where you get change. It seems to me to be the place where you build resentments. I want to comment on something that you had mentioned, uh, Marion, with regards to Huron County. It is notorious for drinking and driving. When I first moved to that area, I was approached by three people that asked me if I was gra have I, if I've gra had been on a gravel run yet. I was going gravel run. What what is that? And literally, case of beer in the back, going down the backyard, uh, back roads, on a tour ride. Mm -hmm. I said, No, I don't think so. I, no, I haven't been. I've never heard of a gravel run. Oh, you will. You will hear of a gravel run. And I'm going well. And then I, the next guy that said that to me, I went, I'm a 35-year-old man. I don't need to be going on no gravel run. And he goes, oh, you will. And, and this guy was like 40. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, but it is, they, they do a, that at an early age, you know, right from high school. It's yeah. the thing to do. And they carry it on to 40 years of age. They'll get a sack of beer and away they go. I'm just... Man, that's and and there have been true. some very serious accidents. I mean, it's similar to the kind of cultural thing that happens uh, north of Brampton and in Peel region in the Caledon area, where they've had m many many tragedies as a result of of uh, you know uh, back of the truck parties. Yeah. You know, it's gravel run they call it. Never heard of it before, but when here on county, it's huge. <laughs> well, it actually has a name there, it seems. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I'm surprised if it's that popular. How come the police aren't on top of it or, or keeping an eye on well, it? They haven't got a lot of police either. They haven't got a either. lot of police. I mean, that's part of the problem is you. And see, there's Huron tons county, of back roads. Yeah, and Huron County is a big county. Huge. Uh, with only fifty-five thousand people in it, uh, so you you get policing dollars based on the number of people. But you got a huge county with, as you say, many, many gravel. Many back roads. Many, many, you know, uh, areas that you can drive for. You can drive for two hours. Well, what are we doing here? Are we doing an ad for this now and everybody's no. going to be rushing no, what we're saying is, <laughs> no, what we're saying is that, that the reason that I would, would say that I would argue on the side of having her do the, do the educational programs rather than, than just a victim is, is, is that whole issue of, look, I did this. I right. was part of this culture. This is what this culture can do to you. Right. And, you know, I'm now paying the price for that. Right. I don't want that to happen. I to agree you. with that. I think that would have a lot of impact on, our, on the kids in high school. I think that would have an incredible impact if Sarah LeBeau was going out giving speeches about drinking and driving.
I think an amazing now, impact. We've got to take a break. If, if there isn't remorse, you don't get the sincerity in that, and it doesn't work. That's true. 643-1290, star-1290 on the Rogers AT&T phone line. You're with Dan Gall along with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz. It's left, right, and center, and we'll be back after this on 1290 CJBK. Welcome back. You're with Dan Gall along with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz. It's left, right, and center on 1290 CJBK. We're just talking about, during break, we were just talking about how uh, in Sarnia, a senior police officer is looking for life imprisonment for those who drive drunk, cause an accident, and kill. And he's looking for life imprisonment. Grace is on the line right now. Welcome to the show, Grace. Thank you for calling and for listening. Hi, Dan. Hi. Well, I just have a comment, too, that, uh, I, I it, you know, it could have been any one of those young people driving that car. I'm not saying, I know who it was. It was this young girl. Mm -hmm. But they are all responsible. They got into a car that was, they overcrowded it. They knew that she was drinking and shouldn't have been driving. So there is a lot of, I think young people have to realize that it's not just the driver that is responsible. There's a responsibility on their behalf that they should say, no way, you're not driving. You're Good absolutely point. right, Grace. Well, I think you just put us in our place. <laughs> that's, a, that's right on target. And I think the other thing about it is that one of the most effective ads uh, that we, we hear of is the ad that talks about um, you know, the fact that although we tell our kids uh, never drive with someone who's, who's drunk, we sometimes uh, don't exercise that judgment ourselves. And I know you probably know the ad I'm talking about where, you know, the, the, the kid says to his dad, well, why didn't you call me? You always yeah. tell me to call you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point, Grace. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. She's absolutely right there. I mean, these, these kids were 18 to 20 years of age. They knew what they were jumping into when they got in that in that car. Well, they, they knew to the extent that anybody really understands anything if they're intoxicated. I mean, that's the issue. That when you, that when you drink, that's, that's, that's car, right. That's right. That's right. Oh, everybody. That's yeah. that's quite right. And and but that we know that alcohol certainly clouds judgment and makes it difficult for people to make those distinctions. What do you, what what do you, what does it uh, what does go through your head when you hear that you know senior police officer is looking for life? imprisonment for drunk driving that cause I don't know what and, he thinks that death. would accomplish uh, you know uh, if if we're talking about a person like we we're just talking off air about people who continue to drive even if they've had their license suspended or people who are repeat offenders and and just don't care th those kind of people need to be locked up for sure but a first-time offense that's an accident that's obviously not premeditated that's not in the category that I would like to see life sentences meted out for I'd like to see life sentences meted out to hardened criminals, murderers, that kind of thing. Uh, we're talking about doing that to drunk drivers and not doing it to those kinds of criminals. Yeah, I can't know. live with that kind of contradiction. I'm sure this is a police officer who would like to see it happen in a lot of other cases. I mean, one of the things that we have to recognize is police, the, the police tend to be uh, more um, uh, in favor of life sentences because it gets one more person off the street. They don't have to go to another accident and see more dead people. They don't have to, uh, you know, uh, see people uh, walk for when they've killed somebody. And you, you got to understand that if you're doing that job all the time, um, it, it certainly changes how you feel about the responsibility of someone. And you don't want to have the possibility of that person repeating that offense. 
643-1290, star 1290 on the Rogers AT&T phone line. Let's go to Stan. Stan, welcome. Welcome, or good afternoon, I should say. Um, I find it ludicrous that uh, this young lady is uh, sent to jail. Uh, she has no criminal record. It's not a premeditated fact. Um, and notwithstanding what, uh, uh, what somebody said with respect to the police, uh, saying that uh, it's one more person off the road with a life sentence, um, the police in this city are too busy giving out uh, parking tickets and speeding tickets, and they, they, they can't handle the crime as it is. But this girl, didn't, she, she made a stupid mistake. The stupid mistake is now going to cost her four years in a hardened criminal environment. And what is she going to learn out of that? She's absolutely going to learn nothing. What she should be, what the judge should have done to her is sentence her to four years of delivering a speech once a month to the high schools. That's what the judge should have sentenced, and, and, I'm, and I'm really upset that uh, this lady is in jail. Not only that, is the, the fact that um, what she has done, she has shown uh, remorse 100%. She, she, she is sleeping with the fact that um, what she did was wrong, but they were all drunk. They made a silly mistake. They, they didn't plan, plan to kill people. Stan, what about the argument, though, that the judge made a decision that was to also set an example to others? Well, um, okay, let's let's look at these judges' decisions. Let's look at the case of uh, somebody built uh, people out of eighty million dollars. What did he get in jail? Three, four years. Look at uh, somebody who murdered somebody. What do they get? Four, five, ten years. Let's let's. Uh, the judge is sending out nothing. The judge is all he's doing is getting people. Uh, upset at his decision. Um, the, the the way this, the the uh, judges are is the majority of them are um, in their later years of life and don't understand what's really happening in today's life, uh, and that's that's the problem that we have. I mean, could you imagine? Um, we've all drunk. Uh, drank and drive. All of us have. I mean, I don't think there's a perfect angel among the people that I know. Uh, and we all say, oh, wait a minute. Uh, we all learn, um, whether it's late or too late, most of us learn um, properly that, hey, we don't do this anymore. But when you're 16, 17, 18, or 19 years old, you do make mistakes. You do do things that you shouldn't do. But this lady is now not only the, um, my heart goes out to the family of the people, um, but not only this lady has to think about what she did and her friends and, and, and the, the chaos that she created, now she's got to live in an environment that's full of hardened criminals. Thanks for your call this morning, Stan. We appreciate that. Tracy, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Hi there. I just uh, wanted to point out the quick fact that uh, with all the awareness of drinking and driving, this girl made a decision to drink and drive before she left her home. And I also wonder where... Her parents were, knowing that she was going to a party, they could have offered to drive her. And, uh, like, I'm 30-something, but I know my parents used to do that for me. And uh, drinking and driving awareness was alive back then. Well, I think you're right, Tracy, to a point, but I don't think she left the home planning to go drink, drive, and kill her friends. No, that's true, and but so, she did make, she was the driver. So then what the, the crime is, is not the killing of the friends, but the going and drinking and driving, and that everyone we catch who drinks and drives should therefore be put away for four years. Really, well, that's, that's the logic, I, isn't I, it? I suppose you're right there, but all I'm saying is this girl felt so bad about her actions that she tried to lie her way out of it later and say she wasn't at the wheel. And I think I would have been more sympathetic towards her 
if she had have just stood up and said, yes, I did this, yeah. and I feel terrible, and I'm going to do what I can to make up for what I can. That's a good point, Tracy. We, we talked about that, that I, I really think that hurt her when mm -hmm. she did that. Yeah, I, mean, I think definitely. But I think also, in this day and age, and like the gentleman said before, all of us have done that. Mm -hmm. But I think lately, with all the awareness that is happening in Mothers Against Drunk Driving and the bumper stickers and all of the accidents with the teens that have happened lately, I, I don't think there's an excuse for it. I think she made a conscious decision of that before she left her house that evening to drink and drive. Not to kill somebody, but to drink and drive. And I think that was an irresponsible decision. Thanks for your call, okay, Tracy. thank you. All the best. Pat, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. Hey, very quickly, I just was curious. Um, you know, you're talking about this case that made the headlines on the front page yesterday. But if you turn, very interestingly enough, and you mentioned Sarnia, if you turn, and I don't know if you've mentioned this today, to the inside page, the southwest page of the Free Press, I think it's A, I can't remember, A, page A4. Today's or yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday. Same day as the, as the article on the, on the woman we're talking about. Yes. Drunk driver wins support of victims despite two deaths. Sarnia. This guy killed two people. Mr. Betteridge. He's a realtor. Right. He uh, left two friends dead. Judge had words of praise for many of those affected by the tragedy, um, in, and including the guy who uh, was the driver says he was a, a pillar of the community and uh, and um, he's um, and the the, uh, the judge said that uh, this guy enjoys the goodwill understanding and support of many of the people affected by this tragedy he got um, I can't remember what he got he see but he stayed out of jail basically. he stayed out he got, of jail yeah maximum 240 hours community service uh, which supporter says he has always done um, he's and the judge said he's a he has been a credit to the community um, random, uh, and committed uh, many random unsolicited solicited acts of kindness. So I guess I, I use that. Sure. A, you know, it's a very kind of an interesting juxtaposition. I don't know. I, 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 I think that the LeBeau sentence was fair. You know, if she wants to go and uh, deliver uh, talks to kids, do it after you your serve your sentence. You know, I think maybe she'll get a real, the kids will get a real uh, picture of what it's like to uh, commit a crime such as this, face the punishment, and get a, get a real uh, good insight into what crime and punishment is. Uh, uh, that is, inside a, living inside a prison for two and a half years or whatever. Mm -hmm. She's not going to do the whole four, obviously. Right. And, but I just point that out because it was, you know, you mentioned Sarnia, and I, I recalled that story, and it was like such an interesting kind of comparison from right. the front page to page A4. I mean, Basically, people were killed in each of these incidents, but because this guy, I don't know, I don't know the reasoning, but he's obviously looked upon as a pillar of the community, and he gets off uh, with probation. So did he, did he uh, plead guilty? Yes, he pleaded guilty. There that, you are. He accepted yeah. responsibility. Yeah. This yeah. young woman did not accept responsibility, yeah, right, and the yeah. argument of the defense yeah. was that she hadn't even been driving. Yeah. That's right. Pat, and that, that is obviously, I guess, a lesson to people who are, are uh, facing charges like this. Uh, if you're looking for some leniency from the court, uh, accept your responsibility right up, and uh, and uh, let the uh, let the chips follow their merry after that. You know? Very, very anyway. interesting. Thanks, Pat. All the best. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center. Uh, we'll be back after this on 1290 CJBK. is talk of the town. You've been listening to Left, Right, and Center, and uh, we wanted to. Uh, we were just as well talking again about the the Sarah LeBeau, and, and we basically said it's a mess. It's too bad. It's a mess.
Um, so many lives yeah. spoiled and, 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 and ruined. Yeah. Um, not just those who died. You have to... Uh, I hope the judge is right in that it will alert the public that we are going to be taking this seriously. I mean, I, I, that's the only thing I can get out of that, uh, that kind of sentence. Is it, it's a stronger well, message. We've been getting these messages for decades, and I don't really see any major change in the attitude of the people that are being caught drinking and driving and stuff like that. The odd one has a serious accident, and we make a big example out of them, and then, and then that's as far as you can get with it. I, I think it's an insoluble situation in, in the long term. You've been listening to Left, Right, and Center. We thank Bob Metz for joining us this morning. Marion Boyd, again, thank you for, for coming in. Nice to see you. We'll see you again on Wednesday at 11 o'clock. I'm Dan Gall. We have the Chum Radio News coming up next. And then following that, it's Ask the Experts with Bud Polehill. Some automotive advice for you on Ask the Experts right here on 1290 CJBK.